0: Good. good morning. It's, uh, it's good to be here, really. I, uh, I say that with meaning. Um, I just spoke at Westwood's graduation on Thursday, and it was, uh, it was very different. Um, it was weird. Uh, it was like the kids, I would stand here, and the kids are over here, and the crowd's there, so I'm facing this way, but I have to talk this way, and I don't have a microphone, so I can't move. So it's like this the whole time, It's kind of awkward and strange, um, uncomfortable. So I, I am glad to be here um, because I don't look like a rookie anymore and <laughs> I just feel a little more comfortable. Um, so uh, if you would, let's get into the Word. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 18 through... 22 um, I'm really excited to share these verses with you this morning uh, I know you already know them you've all probably read them before but these are these are truths that really uh, when I was in high school um, college these truths that God that Jesus says to you really grip my life uh, and change me and and um, some big ways changed a lot, like just flipped my life around basically. And these were some of the verses. And so I'm really excited to share these with you. And I hope I've been praying uh, this morning and this week that they would really even grip and change you in an even greater way than they did me. Um, so let's read them and then we'll, we'll dive in and pick them apart. So Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 through 22. It says, While walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with with nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your word and that you have chosen to use it to speak to us today. And so, God, by the power of Your Word and by the power of Your Spirit, I ask again that You would speak to us this morning, right now. And that we would have eyes and ears to not just hear and see for knowledge's sake, but to inform our minds and inspire our hearts. Lord, we want to live for You. So, God, please open these truths so that it might change the way we live. And we ask these things in... Jesus' name. Amen. So the question this morning that we're going to look at is simple. The question is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? All right, that's We're going to keep going back to that every single point. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And I understand that's a loaded question. There's a lot to that. Um, but we're just going to spend our time kind of unpacking that today and laying it out and mean like, just seeing what it says. So follow me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? The first point is that he satisfies you. What does it mean to follow Jesus? He satisfies you. This inviting command, follow me. That's verse eighteen er uh nineteen. Follow me. That's the first thing he says. And so what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, I think what it means is that when Jesus says follow me, he's actually he's calling worshippers. Jesus is calling worshipers. So when you think worship, don't just think music ministry, singing, hymn books, whatever. Right. Worship, think when you think worship, you've got to think lifestyle. I think Romans 12, 1 says this. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is your what? Spiritual worship. That's lifestyle. Present your bodies. So Jesus is calling worshipers, and he alone himself deserves adequate worship from every human being. He's calling people to wholehearted surrender. This is radical abandonment. Lay down your life. Nothing less. Worshipers, life. He wants your heart. And it's even shown, too, if you look in... Um, don't flip there, but Luke chapter 9, right? When Jesus calls these, some people to follow him, there's three different guys. One of, one, of them, one of the guys says, he says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. He says, no, you won't. You get that? He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air has, have a nest. I have nowhere to lay my head. But You, you won't follow me. I just got to go bury my dead. No, no, no. Let the dead bury the dead. Follow me. There's this understanding. It's wholehearted surrender. Radical abandonment. Lay down your life. That's Christianity. Follow me. He's calling worshippers. And so, to worship God, you could say it's the same as glorifying Him. But to worship Him, it's just in a, a small um, one-word phrase. What does it mean to worship? Worship means to make much of Him. To make much of Jesus. To make Him look good. It's simple, right? To make much of Jesus. And you were created by God to worship, and you can't help but do it. You can't. You were created by God to worship, and you will worship. Every single day you will worship something. My prayer is that we will worship someone, and that's Jesus. So let me put it like this. You were created by God... To worship, but in another way to say that would be like this. The throne of your heart is never empty. The throne of your heart is never empty. There's always someone occupying it or something. Always. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Since you are always in a temple, you are always worshiping. Get that? So when Jesus says, follow me... He's saying, Fulfill your heart's desire to glorify and worship what you were designed to worship. Glorify the one who you were created to glorify. Worship the one who deserves the throne of your heart. So we were created by God to worship. Follow me. Worship me. But we won't worship Him unless we're affected by what He has to offer us. That's just... Us, humans. So, this is why some of us worship money. This is why some of us worship people. This is why some of us worship possessions. Just got to get that thing, then I'll be happy. Just got to get that car, that house. and Then I'll be satisfied. Some of us worship sex. And the reason that we worship is because all of those things offer us something. They offer us comfort. They offer us security. They offer us pleasure. They make you happy. But only for a moment. Only for a season. It's momentary satisfaction. It's momentary pleasure. They won't sustain. None of those things sustain. But while Jesus, that's what the world offers us. You know what Jesus offers us? Something far better. He offers us the gospel. Jesus offers us the gospel. So, you will not follow Jesus unless you're affected by the gospel. We have to be affected by His mercy, His grace, His love, or else we won't worship Him. So, what is the gospel? I know this is like elementary, but it's so good to remind ourselves of this because we need the gospel every day. So, what is the gospel? Um, The gospel is... Good news, right? We, we know that. Good news. The gospel's good news. I mean, really good news. Like, And good news has to invade bad spaces. All right? Good news has to invade bad spaces, or else it's not, good news can't exist. So good news invades bad spaces. So if you think you have cancer, and you go to the doctor, and you go to get a test, and you get a test back from the doctor, and it says that, the test is negative, that's good news, right? If you are... No one in here is, but... If you're going to ask your girlfriend to marry you, and you get down on the knee and you bought a ring and emptied your bank account, and you ask this girl to marry you, and she says, no. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we hope, yes. She says, Yes. That's good news. Why? Because something could go really, really bad. Like, it could get nasty. Something could go really, really bad. It's good news. Listen, brothers, sisters, good news has to invade bad spaces. And I'll say this personally good news has invaded bad spaces in my heart. Good news has invaded very, very bad spaces in my heart. It's good news. So, what does that mean? The gospel, like when you realize this, when you realize at the core of your being that you and I were wicked rebelliousness against God, we exchanged the glory of God for a lie. And we were on our way to hell at full speed. And then God comes in and knocks us off our horse. And then He picks us up out of the muck and the mire and He cleans us off and He washes us. That's good news. That's really, really, really good news. He picks He gives us a new heart. He transforms us. He makes us a new creation. He saves us from ourselves, from our sin, and from hell. That's good news. Like, some of the best news in the world. And when you realize that, that this good news, when you really realize this good news... You can't help but worship. Like not, when you when that, you get that in your gut, you get that. Nothing can stop you from worshiping. This is greater than the cure to cancer. The, the cancer, the cure to cancer doesn't exist. If it did, would have nothing on the gospel. Nothing. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. For the Father's glory in arson is infinitely better than any cure to any disease. Any amount of money you could have, mansion. Like, the gospel is the greatest news in the world. You and I have it. But some people don't know it. Some people like our neighbors, some people like people at the parents at the Little League Fields friends of ours, co-workers. They don't know. it. We have it. The best news in the world we got. They don't think it's good news. They don't know the Gospel. So, to follow Jesus means that you taste and enjoy the Gospel every day. Every day. You meditate on the Gospel in God's Word. And you will be prompted by the Holy Spirit to make much of His name to your family, to your wife, your husband, to your neighbors, your coworkers, it's just kind of come out of you because you're a worshiper of God. So, what does that mean? Here, this is the idea. What's the idea? Here's the idea. We were created by God to worship, and when we find ourselves worshipping in the right place, when we find ourselves worshipping the right person, worship not only satisfies us, it fuels us. See this? Worship doesn't just satisfy us, it fuels us. Worship is the driver to evangelism. Worship for Jesus Christ is the driver to evangelism. So get that, right? It's a love and affection for God stirred up within us that it can't help but come out of us. So don't. I'm getting ahead of myself. So think about, again, who was the last person to get married in here? Was it Missella? Was it you, John? You're going on two, right? Almost two years? So, when Marcela gets a ring, and Macella did this all weird with his hipster style, but Macella, when Macella gets a ring, and he goes to marry Leah, when he goes to get engaged to her, like he gets on her knee. Again, she says, yes, that's good news. And then what happens? This dude like freaks out. Like... This is crazy. Like, this is good news. Like, that he calls us. He comes to hang out with us. Johnny gets, like, a little non-alcoholic Martinelli champagne bottle, starts spraying it around. Leah is, like, blowing it up on Instagram and Facebook. Hashtag 100 More Days. Hashtag... The eatery puts it up on Facebook. Oh, we're going away for two weeks for closed. We're going, I'm going to get married. Like, on and on and on. Why? Because it's good news. It's really good news. And he can't help but say it. And even John, who doesn't talk that much, he can't help but say it. Because it's good news. There's overwhelming joy. There's affection stirred. Good news. In an infinitely greater way than a woman saying yes to a man, as much of a miracle as that was with John and Leah, in an infinitely greater way, infinitely greater way, Jesus has placed the ring on your finger. Jesus has said yes to you. Jesus says, I love you. I want you. That's the gospel. He gets down on a knee and spends everything he has. God spent his son on you, bled his blood, died the death you deserve to die, purchased you, Jesus Christ. That's good news. Really good news. We cannot help but keep this love quiet. We can't keep this love quiet. So worship's not only expression of pleasure that we find in following Jesus, but it's also the proclamation of Jesus to the world. Worship is the proclamation of Jesus to the world. So first point in that text, right, follow me, is that in worship, Jesus satisfies us. So uh, what else does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, we'll see in this text, is that he sanctifies you, or he transforms you. So look at this, right? Follow me. And then the next part, he says, and I will make you fishers of men. Did you get that? Jesus says, I will make you. He sanctifies us. He transforms us. I will make you fishers of men. So, you don't have to worry about trying to be a fisher of men you following Jesus. You don't have to worry about that. Because Jesus makes you one. You get that? Jesus makes you a fisher of men when you follow him. So, I just want to warn you against this trap of of evangelism in that category, if we make it one, is that don't try harder to preach the gospel more. To be like, oh, dang it, I, didn't, I haven't shared my faith this whole month. I should really start doing that. Don't do that. Don't. It's a trap. That's... that's Workspace. That's my courage. I have to muster up. Don't do that. The goal is not to try and be more disciplined to preach the gospel. That's not the goal, but to be transformed in the discipleship. But to be transformed in the discipleship of Jesus, teaching you how to fish for men. Right? Jesus makes you a fisher of men. So, like I said before, think in this box. When Jesus says, "I'm going to make you a fisher of men." Your job is to work on your joy. Don't try to work on your courage and muster it up and be more confident in yourself. No, work on your joy in Christ. Stir up your love and affections towards Jesus. That's the the command. Because He's going to make us one. He's going to make us the fishers of men. So don't let days go by without stirring your affections for Jesus. Don't do it. I love uh, Luke chapter 8. You could go there. This is a a really good passage. I put in my Bible just like the the secret to evangelism Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. The story is long, so we'll start in verse 34. So what happens here is there's a man. He has a demon in him. Jesus comes on the scene. The demon comes running up to him, confessing, this is the Christ. This is the this is God. And Jesus rebukes the demon, tells him to come out of the man, and then the demon goes into the pigs, and the pigs flood into the water, right? The whole story. This is in a few spots in the Gospel. But then, listen to this part. Verse 34, this is where we'll pick up. says when the herdsmen saw what happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man whom, the man from whom the demons had gone, begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, "Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you." And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. See that the man wants to be with Jesus, and Jesus says no. Go back to your home and do what? Declare how much God has done for you. That's it. This is not, when you want to talk to someone about Christ, this is not an apologetic argument. This is not a debate. Like, clearly, the implications of this is just simply declare how much God has done for you. The gospel. Stir your affections for Christ. And you you can't help but say, declare how much God has done for you. This man has a lot that Jesus just did for him, right? Changed his whole life. He's been tormented by a demon uncontrollably. Jesus rebukes the thing. Go back to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And what does he do? He goes away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. It's amazing. It's a joy, not a debate. You plead, declare all God has done for you. That's it. Nothing else. The next part is of the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? That part is that He satisfies you there. He sanctifies you. He transforms you. And then the next part is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Is that He sends you. Go back to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. So, what does it mean to follow Jesus? He satisfies you. He sanctifies you and transforms you. And then, he sends you. Get that? He sends you. Fishers of men. So, if you're following Jesus... If you are following Jesus, then you are a fisher of men. New identity. Fisher of men. And so, I hear this idea a lot of times from brothers and sisters, and it really bothers me. It's become one of my greatest pet peeves is that people will tell me, oh, you just share the gospel because that's your gift. And that's that's not my gift, so I don't have to do it. You just share the gospel because that's the way God made you. And that's that's not the way God made me. That's not true. It's a lie. God has uniquely designed us and created us to do this. You know what made in his image means? You were made in the image of God. Images of God. There's seven billion images of God all on this earth right now. And we're supposed to reflect and show What he was like. Image of God. Icon. You are God's icon. So to say, no, no, that's not for me. No, no, you weren't just called to do this. You were created and commanded to do this. You see that? You were created to do this. And then Jesus says, you're commanded to do this. So don't just say, oh, that's just for the evangelists. No, every single one of us has... The ability, the capacity to declare to people around us how much God has done for us. It's pretty simple, right? So if if you're not fishing for men, then you're you're not following Jesus. Get that? That's just in the text. Like I can't I can't make that up. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Those, that's the implications. Like, Jesus makes us fishers of men and there's nothing else that he makes us in this text. You see that? Fishers of men. If you're not following Jesus, if you're not fishing for men, then you're not following. It's just a part of it. It's, it's a natural part of it. And the reason that people don't want to follow Jesus, or pe- the reason people don't want to fish for men, they want to follow Jesus, but they don't want to do this part. The reason they don't want to fish for men is because it's it's really hard. It's hard. Like it, it it doesn't come easy. It's not easy. It's really hard. There's rejection, there's slander, there's mocking, there's all of that. And I just want to if I could just be real with you for a minute and confessing my own sin is that like one of the reasons I don't share the gospel with people, one of the reasons I I bail on doing that so many times is because I care way too much about what people think of me. I have this sin in my heart that I'm constantly trying to kill. I care way too much about what people think of of me and what I say and their opinions. That's just—it's that's wrong, and it's, it's one of the greatest hindrances to the gospel in my life. It's sinful. And so, if if you are like me, where we live in New England, where people hate God, people hate the gospel, you're you're gonna be rejected, you're gonna be slandered, and and for me and my sin, that doesn't go well for my pride. It doesn't go over well when people won't, won't like what I'm going to tell them. They're going to make fun of me for it. I was even thinking of like my, my ratio of, uh, of conversion success, whatever you want to call it. People actually come to Christ when I tell them the Gospel. You know what it is? It's like 0. .02%. It's like pathetic. Like no one, no one, no one wants to hear this. Especially in New England. You know. But, but here's the thing. Like you don't, you don't share the gospel because of the success rate you're gonna have. And you don't rely on your success rate and what you can do in the conversations. You do it because, because of worship. You declare how much God has done for you. Put away this this idea of caring too much about what people think it's costly, right? It can be costly, but it 's worth it it's, it's well worth it because of the treasure that we find in christ it's well worth it like i've, I've literally been been spit on like I know people say that, but I literally like someone. Spit on me. Uh, like made fun of, kicked out of places, talking to a, a guy at a, down in New Haven at a club, a bouncer, just trying to share Christ with him. Threatening to beat me up if I don't leave. Like On my honeymoon, me and my wife, this crazy old lady, I try to share Christ with her and she starts freaking out on me. Like it, it, It's costly. In other countries, is more costly. But it's even costly here in America. But it's worth it. It, it. It's worth it. You know why it's worth it? Because the God of the universe who wants to satisfy us has invited us to go to work with Him. The God of the universe has invited us, you and me, every single one of us in here, He's invited us to go to work with him for eternity 's sake, and so get that, right? here 's the, the perspective that I want to really change is i don 't have to share the gospel. I get to share the gospel. i don 't have to. I get to. It's good news. I get to share this gospel. So even in difficulty, it 's not duty, it 's delight. See that? Even difficulty it's not duty. It's delight. This is why this is why you read the Bible and you see Paul and Silas. They get flogged and beaten. They get thrown into a prison in Philippi, in Philippi in Acts chapter sixteen. And what are they doing at midnight? They're singing hymns, right? They're worshiping God. Can't help it. They're worshiping Him. Paul and Peter. Paul's around Peter and John in Acts chapter five. They they get flogged and beaten sharing Christ? and What does it say? In verse 40, I believe. They left the council rejoicing. Rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. And these brothers here in Matthew chapter 4, like they don't leave their family business and pops behind out of duty. They do it out of delight. They get to follow Jesus. There's satisfaction. It's not duty. It's delight. And And think about it, right? The church starts in Jerusalem, gets to Antioch, from Antioch to Cyprus to Galatia to Philippi to Thessalonica, all the way to Brantford Bible Chapel. And let me tell you something. It did not get here out of duty. It got here out of delight. Worship. They've loved their God more than they love themselves. They couldn't help but get this gospel out. So, what does it mean to follow Jesus? He he sends you. Then the last part, the last part to this question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? We'll see it in the next verse, verse 20, and again in verse 22. It says, Immediately they left their nets and followed Him. Verse 22, Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him so what does it mean to follow Jesus he he severs you from your old way of life and substitutes it for a better one cuts off that old life and gives you a better one they left their nets and followed him Jesus is in saying follow me is changing the way these guys live think about it John 3 most famous chapters in the Bible. He says, you must be born again. What does that mean? You need a new way of life. you got to be born again. They left their nets and us. So, for most of us, following Jesus to fish for men in 2017, following Jesus to fish for men does not necessarily mean that you leave your job. It could. He could be telling you to go. But not necessarily. He's not telling you to leave your job. But He's telling you to see your job as the mission field that He has specifically and explicitly placed you into. That's what He's saying. He could be telling you to leave your job, but not necessarily. So, He's not saying quit your job, but rather use your job for the sake of the gospel. He's not saying to get out of there, but he's saying to work hard. He's saying to speak well of your boss. He's doing all these things. Use your job. So, the I think I've said this before, but... Like the purpose of your job. We, we really have to understand this. The purpose of your job is not to provide. Like that's, that's nowhere in the Bible. God never tells you, the man, you have to provide for your family. That, God never says that. Jesus never says that. It's nowhere in there. It's just some kind of American type of twist we put on Christianity. God's the provider. God is the provider. Like we, we read verses all the time about this. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He does. He really does. You don't have to provide. He provides for you. He owns, Deuteronomy says that he owns the heavens and the heavens of heavens. He's got it all. He owns everything. I heard a preacher put it one time like this God is so rich, God is so rich that he makes the wealthiest men and women in the world look like the guy on the corner shaking the cup. He is well able to provide. Not only that, you see it in Exodus, right? These these guys, led by Moses, get out of Exodus into the wilderness and they're hungry. And what happens? Hey, magic bread! Magic bread from heaven! Manna! They don't have a word for it. It's just this magic bread from heaven. God is able to provide. He's well able to provide. So the purpose of your job cannot be to provide. It just can't. It wouldn't make sense. God, That's God's job. I'm not saying you be lazy and don't get a job. Like, come on. Let's just, we know that. We know we have to work hard. Because that's one of the means by which God provides. But God is the provider. So that, so that, that can't be the purpose of your job. Use your job not to make money, but to fish for men. Use your job to fish for men. Job's primary purpose is to win souls. Not provide for your family, but to make Christ's name great in your office. So, as Paul would say in 2 Timothy, he says, don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. Don't do it. It's one of the ways we do it. Don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. So, we'll finish with this. Some, just some practical application um, I think, like, clearly we see, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Um, Jesus is telling us a, a, a lot of stuff here in that, but what it means in those commands is for us to, to be the gospel, to share the gospel, to live the gospel. But I just want to like, ask, like, how many of us, like, we see that, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, but how many of us, how many of us actually have, like, our nets set? Like, how many of you got your nets set? You get what I'm saying here? But not only that, how many of you have identified a body of water to be fishing in? you like you got, got to know where the water is, and you got to set your nets. I'm just saying, like, how many of us have, have done that? So, one, identify your main body of water. Figure that out. I'm going to give you some in a second. And then second, like, cast your nets. Get them out there. This is what Jesus created us to do. So one thing uh, I've been trying to do recently in my life is, um, I know Rod Dubier, when he was here, he talked about being gospel literate and kind of what that means. And that's that's really good, and I'm trying to do that. I have a hard time, um, and I'm working on it. But um, separate from that, be gospel literate. But I want to say this is be gospel ready. Be gospel ready. So what do I mean by that? Um, One example is... Uh, I was coaching high school baseball. So, there's, there's these, the kids, you see them every single day at practice. And every single day, they ask you questions. They ask you, like, and some of them ask the same question over and over and over again. So, like, 18, 20 different kids, and they're all asking the same question. And so, one of the questions they always ask me is, uh, hey, coach, where did you go to, where'd you go to high school? And so, for me, the first answer is, oh, I went to Westwoods Christian Academy, and, that's kind of it. That's not gospel ready. Like, you gotta be able to know questions people are going to ask you and be ready to get to the gospel in that conversation. So, like, that conversation changes for me just going, oh, I went to Western Christian Academy. End of conversation two. Coach, where'd you go to high school? I went to, well, yeah, I went to Western Christian Academy. It changed my life. Like, I, I met Jesus, and he, I fell in love with him. And it changed everything about the way I live. It changed from me being like this to now following the God of the universe and I'm fully satisfied in him. I have purpose and meaning. You get how that changes? So figure out questions people ask you. And it could be simple. It could be, how are you doing today? And if you spent time with Jesus, you should be doing good. I mean, there's, there's times in life where it's hard but Jesus is still better and he's still satisfying in those hard times. You can be real with people. But figure out questions people ask you and get to the cross. Be gospel ready. And then uh, just identifying some some main bodies of water. Um, where to set your nets? Where to cast your nets? Uh, where is the water? Um, I put a few down here that I have in my own life. You might have your own as well, but you got to identify them. Is so, like one, I already gave you one. Uh, if you have a job, it's your job. I know there's a lot of people in here who don't, wives and all that stuff. Um, maybe you don't have a job. That's okay. But one of those main bodies of water is your job. Um, another one I put is your neighborhood. you got neighbors, people you know by name, who don't know the gospel. They don't know Christ. That's a main body of water. Man, cast your nets. Get them out there. Another one I put is your family. I, I personally, I have a lot of, um, unsaved family members. Um, a couple of weeks ago, just at Naya's birthday party, I spent like 20 minutes trying to explain the, the weight of sin to my granddad. Cause he doesn't get it. He doesn't. I got family members who don't know Christ. The only way to share it with them is out of delight. I gotta declare how much God has done for them, done for me, how much He can do for them. So you got your family, some of you, not all of you, and then just your town. You got a, a town full of people that God has specifically placed you in. You bought a house there. There's a church here. We got all these towns, surrounding towns around us we got to set our nets and fish for men. And I'll just uh, end on this, this quote by uh, David Platt. He says this. This is really practical help, I think, that will be good for us. He says, We email, Facebook, tweet, and text with people who are going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. Our lives are too short to waste on mere temporal conversations when massive eternal realities hang in the balance. Just as you and I have no guarantee that we will live through the day, the people around us are not guaranteed tomorrow either. So let us be intentional about sewing the threads of the gospel into the fabric of our conversations every day, knowing that it will not always be easy, yet believing that eternity will always be worth it. We've Fabric threads of the gospel into your conversations. Get to the cross. Be gospel ready. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, so much for your word. I even ask this morning that you would really stir in our hearts and affections for for Jesus. That we would be filled up with joy in him. And that we would be people like like people in the book of Acts who who couldn't keep quiet about Jesus. God, help us to even identify some of these bodies of waters and, and how to cast our nets. And God, help us not to be afraid. We want to do it out of love for you. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we have corporate prayer.